Hey, I'm Sam Sanders. You're listening to Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine. This week, how rotten tomatoes might actually be rotten. So, if you're like me, before you go see a movie, you try to find out if it's good or not. And chances are the website you will use to find that out is Rotten Tomatoes. It's the one that aggregates a lot of reviews for movies and then gives them a score. Well, they call it a tomato meter, and it gives a fresh rating. I know. Ugh, I know. So many people use Rotten Tomatoes. They even make these, like, man-on-the-street YouTube videos to show just how popular Rotten Tomatoes is. Do you know what Rotten Tomatoes is? Love Rotten Tomatoes. It's a rating site. The best place to get ratings for movies. I look at it pretty frequently. I don't think they would taste very good. We're, we're off to it. But recently, one of my colleagues at Vulture did a deep investigation into Rotten Tomatoes. My name is Lane Brown. I'm a features writer for New York Magazine. Before that, I was actually one of the original editors of Vulture. So a real, true Vulture OG. Exactly. Lane found that, yes, Rotten Tomatoes may be extremely popular, but it's not all that reliable. And a lot of movie studios and Hollywood companies... They game the Rotten Tomatoes system to maybe make bad movies look good. This episode, we ask, is the Rotten Tomatoes rating system broken? And are studios kind of scamming us with it? We will get into all of that after the break. You did a story all about how the formula of Rotten Tomatoes might be a little screwy and not the best and not good for movies. But before we get into the meat of the article, tell us, like, at a 101 level, what the Rotten Tomato formula is. I know they have percentages. I know they have tomatoes. I know they say things are fresh or rotten. But, like, how does it actually work? Sure. Well, Rotten Tomatoes is based on some really simple and actually kind of dumb math. <laughs> Basically, what, what the site does is it takes all of the reviews that, that it indexes and it classifies them as either rotten or fresh, good or bad. And then it divides the number of positive reviews by like the total number of reviews. And that's it. And so if a movie gets, you know, mostly just barely positive reviews, it can get 100 just from a bunch of huh. passing grades. Yeah. Really? So it's like, all reviews are basically sorted into a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And then those are kind of averaged together to give you the scores that we see. Exactly. And so one of the, the big flaws of Rotten Tomatoes is there is no real accounting for enthusiasm. And so if there's an ecstatically positive review and uh, only slightly positive review, they'll both count the exact same way on Rotten Tomatoes. And you mentioned, you mentioned thumbs up and thumbs down. Even Siskel and Ebert occasionally used to give a movie that they really liked two thumbs way up. To, I to remember sort of, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so Rotten Tomatoes doesn't even do that. It's just a strict binary. Good or bad, that's it. Yeah. Huh. People our age will remember. <laughs> uh, Siskel and Ebert were these two film critics who were such a big deal, they had their own TV show. You could watch them for half an hour talk about movies back in the day. What a, what a time that was. <laughs> what a time. So do you think that system that Rotten Tomatoes uses flattening every review into basically a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Do you think it's the best way to determine if a movie is good or not and give viewers a score on a movie? I mean, I definitely don't. If you want to like even zoom out the 
site's bigger premise is that critical consensus is the thing that can determine whether a movie is good or bad or not. And, you know, I think if you just look back through film history, there are plenty of movies that had contentious early reviews that have sort of later been acknowledged as classics, like something like The Shining. Come and play with us. Come and play with us, Danny. Got harsh reviews kind of right at the beginning, and it's I can't even imagine what it's Rotten Tomatoes Wait, really? for. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Now it's the, by some estimations, the greatest horror film of all time. The movies that do well on Rotten Tomatoes, that get the highest scores, are often the ones that are sort of the, I don't want to say bland, but kind of bland. Paddington looks for the good in all of us, and somehow he finds it. If we're kind and polite, the world will be right. Or just, you know... You can say it. Yeah, you kind of bland. Uh, you know, sort of <laughs> yeah. inoffensive, just good enough for most critics to go out on a limb and say, I am willing to... Say it's that solid, I like this. Yeah. yeah. Anything that's even slightly divisive, which, uh, you know, that includes plenty of the greatest films of all time, is going to get docked points because it's going to turn off some critics. And so they're going to not give it a, a fresh uh, rating. That's what I'm wondering about. Like, there are some reviews that aren't clear cut as a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Can Rotten Tomatoes properly classify those? kind of mixed reviews, or do they just become negative reviews? How does that work? You know, if a review is straddling positive or negative, it has to kind of pick a side. And some of the greatest reviews ever are, are really the ones where the critic is kind of struggling in the piece to decide which side they come down on, and the tomato meter loses all of that nuance. You know, there is a way for people to look for some of the nuance through Rotten Tomatoes. You can sort these reviews by top critics and find out what specific critics are thinking and saying about these films. Mm. But do people do that? Do people actually use Rotten Tomatoes that way? It seems like they don't. I mean, I don't, yeah, personally. It's a, I think, you know, it seems like the premise of the site is, why should I care what one random bozo thinks about a movie when I can ask 500 bozos all at the same time and not actually have to read a single <laughs> word? I can just look at a number and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Technically, yes, you are able to sort by top critics, and you, you can go in and see what each individual critic is, uh, is thinking about a, a movie. But it, it does seem like more often the way people use the site is just to flip open the page of a movie and look at the score, and that's it. So I want to get into the meat of your story. And basically, the nut graph is a lot of enterprising film studios and Hollywood types can basically game the Rotten Tomatoes system. And I want you to explain to our listeners how that happens. And I would love for you to do that through the example of a company called Bunker 15 and a movie called Ophelia and how reviews of this film on Rotten Tomatoes were kind of gamed. And it kind of says a lot about the current rot within Rotten Tomatoes. And I want you to notice sure. what I did there, right? I, I like that. That was you. really good. Appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So there was this 2018 movie called Ophelia. Ophelia. These are strange times in this castle. Be afraid. And it premiered at Sundance in January 2018. It is a kind of a retelling of Hamlet from the point of view of the character Ophelia. And in the movie, she's played by Daisy Ridley. And this movie premieres at Sundance. And not, uh, not everybody likes it. It got 13 reviews at the festival, and seven of those were negative. And so that translates in Rotten Tomatoes to a 46%, uh, 
which is kind of bad mm-hmm. news because anything that's below, bad that's bad <laughs> yeah. exactly out of a hundred yeah out of a hundred out of a hundred and so anything below a sixty is considered by the site to be rotten. Uh, anything above sixty is fresh. And so huh. you know this movie has this kind of unfortunate reception at Sundance, and ten months later, a company called Bunker Fifteen takes up the cause. And what Bunker 15 is, it's a movie publicity company, and their MO is kind of interesting, at least uh, their MO in the way that I understand it. I've talked to a lot of critics that have worked with Bunker 15, and they tell me that Bunker 15 pays them $50 per review. Stop right there. Two things. One, they're out here paying for reviews, and two, only $50? Really? Yeah, that's not a lot of money. Yeah, no. I don't think I could be won over for $50, but apparently there were enough of them. That, uh, <laughs> enough uh, of them, okay. Yeah, to, to actually affect movies' Rotten Tomato scores. Most movie publicity companies, if they have a new release, they will try to get it in front of the biggest critics from the top publications. And so, you know, Vulture, mm-hmm. New York Magazine, The New York Times, Washington Post, et cetera, et cetera. What Bunker mm-hmm. 15 does, though, is they recruit critics from smaller websites, and these are often critics that, that self-publish to their own websites. And so they'll find little critics that are nonetheless mm-hmm. tracked by Rotten Tomatoes. And since their scores count as much as Ellison Wilmore's or Bilga Ibiri's or Manola Darges's, Bunker 15, if it can flip them or get them to write a positive review, then that counts just as much as uh, a review from one of the top critics. And they're easier to flip because, like, they probably don't have an editor or a list of, like, newsroom standards. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, if Manola Dargis were found to be taking $50 per movie review directly from the either the publicity company or the it. studio, it would be a major yeah. scandal. Yeah. But, you know, there's nobody really watching these some of these smaller critics. I should also add, it's like they, they do not disclose this in their reviews. They don't disclose that they're being wow. paid $50 per wow. review. So then Bunker 15, recruiting critics to give better reviews of this film, Ophelia. What happens and does it work? Well, so... Clever idea at the heart of Bunker 15's strategy is that they don't strictly demand positive reviews. You can write positive or negative, doesn't matter to us, but sometimes they've suggested to these critics that they withhold negative reviews from Rotten Tomatoes. If that trick is executed properly, that means Rotten Tomatoes will index the positive reviews, but not the negative ones. And that ends up letting a movie like Ophelia get a better rating on Rotten Tomatoes? Like, where did Ophelia end up after this Bunker 15 campaign? So it was really interesting. So like I said, Ophelia had a 46% score. And between October uh, 2018 and January 2019, eight new reviews show up on Rotten Tomatoes for the film. And seven of those are positive and one is negative. But that's good enough to boost the score up from 46% to 62%, which takes the movie from rotten to fresh. That's wild. Yeah, so it it can actually make a difference. All right, time for a break. When we come back, we'll hear more about how even blockbuster movies are gaming their ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. 
Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. So what does Bunker 15 say about this? I'm guessing you talked to them for this story. Do they defend the practice? Are they still doing this? Yeah. They were still doing it. As recently as a a couple of months ago, they've worked on a few 2023 movies. Can you name them? Sure, I can. So one of them is uh, this documentary, Burt Reynolds, The the Last Interview. I made over 80 pictures, which is a lot. I think it's a great business to be in. Because you're giving. It's a wonderful thing to do. When I spoke to the founder, Daniel Harlow, the the quote he gave me was, we have thousands of writers on our distribution list and a small handful have set up a specific system where filmmakers can sponsor or pay to have them review a film. That is what Hmm. he told me, which sounds like we pay critics. Pay critics reviews. reviews. Yeah, he did sort of, he did reiterate. It's like, you know, he can't necessarily tell critics what to say, which seems to be true. It's like some Bunker 15 critics do write negative reviews. But I have seen a few cases, I've seen some of these negative reviews that are posted on these critics' websites, but they have not been indexed by Rotten Tomatoes. And so for whatever reason, possibly a Bunker 15 suggestion, these critics have declined to submit their negative reviews to Rotten Tomatoes, which has the effect of helping the tomato score by not docking at points. Is there any way that I can tell if a review has been a Bunker 15 paid review? It's a little bit tricky. You can look on their website, and they do mention quite a few of their titles. Although, since I started poking around, they've actually removed quite a few pages from their their website. You're Uh, scaring them. I love it. I was able to actually talk to some of these critics, and they told me which movies some of these were. That is how I was able to do it. But it would be, I think, tricky for people to go through Rotten Tomatoes pages and and make assumptions. But uh, actually, one good good way to, to determine whether or not Rotten Tomatoes thinks a movie was a Bunker 15 movie, is if you search for it and you get a, a 404 uh, page not found message, that does seem to be one indicator because Rotten Tomatoes itself has actually been removing quite a few of these movies from their platform. Since you began your reporting? Since I began my reporting, yes. So then, does this happen a lot? <laughs> is uh, it just one movie named Ophelia or is this just like common practice at this point? Bunker 15... I know they've worked on quite a few movies, and it's a little hard to tell. It doesn't seem like it works quite as well in every case. And I would say I don't know that there are a ton of Bunker 15s out there. I feel like, you know, Bunker 15 may be pretty sui generis, but manipulation is, is happening to movies big and small on, on Rotten Tomatoes. And so, Really? Yeah, so it's not just the little ones. It's sometimes the, the big blockbusters as well. Studios are able to game the uh, tomato meter. If you had to guess what percentage of movies that get scores on Rotten Tomatoes have seen people involved in those films try to game those numbers? Or is it safe to say at this point all the movies are doing some kind of gaming because they know they can? In studio's defense, it is almost necessary to to try to game Rotten Tomatoes a little bit because just basically the math of the site and the way that the uh, site calculates scores is really kind of so broken that 
if you don't game it a little bit, it's like you can... You lose. <laughs> you, you lose, exactly. You have a real disaster on your hands. And so one example is this latest Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Disney, in a, and I think even they would now acknowledge as probably a strategic blunder, they brought the movie to the Cannes Film Festival in May. And this was the first place that they showed it to critics. And, you know, Cannes is the most prestigious and snootiest film festival in the world. And you never quite know exactly what you're going to get from the critics there. And it turned out the critics didn't really like it. And so the first Rotten Tomato score that Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny had from Cannes was a 33%. Ooh. Yeah, so not too good, not too good. And, I mean, what usually happens when a couple of other big blockbusters in the past few years have gone to Cannes, like Top Gun Maverick had a, a screening at Cannes. Who the hell is that? Maverick to range control. Entering point alpha. Confirm I believe Fast X, I think, or Fast 9, whichever that one was a couple of years ago. Wait, Fast, a Fast and the Furious movie was at Cannes? It was. But they're in wow. both of those cases, in the case of Top <laughs> Gun and in the Fast and Furious movie, the studios wisely screened them for, I would say, friendlier critics back home in America before they sent them to Cannes. So they had a little bit of a buffer on Rotten Tomatoes. And so their, their scores were safe. Whereas with Indiana Jones, Disney brought that to Cannes, took it out there without a net. And yeah, it was kind of a mess. And so, you know, Indiana Jones, it debuts to 33% at Cannes. And so it gets written off. It's like all of a sudden the tracking for the movie drops right after can. And slowly but surely, as uh, more critics saw it, the score actually went up. And so today it's, it's all the way up at 69%, which is, you know, not rotten, but fresh. Huh. Not bad. Not too bad at all. Fresher than Ophelia. Fresh. Yeah. By seven whole percentage points fresher than Ophelia. Uh, (laughs) But uh, unfortunately, a lot of people really sort of just pay attention to that initial tomato score. And so they wrote this movie off all the way back in May. When it finally opened in June, at the end of June, it bombs at the box office because everybody assumed it, you know, was a stinker. I'm just thinking about this movie season this year. You mentioned Rotten Tomatoes kind of hurting the latest Indiana Jones movie. What are what's like one or two examples of the biggest like Rotten Tomatoes success or failure stories for movies this year? If you had to say, like, this movie was going to track here, but all of a sudden the Rotten Tomatoes numbers made a track there. Sure. The main reasons why Rotten Tomatoes can be gamed is it gives a movie a score really early after only about five reviews usually have been added to the site. And so huh. what studios will do mostly is try to ensure that that first batch of reviews will be as positive as possible so that the initial score will be as high as it can be. Gotcha. Now that Rotten Tomatoes indexes 3,500 critics, they have a lot of different critics to choose from, and they know generally, like these critics' tastes and who is going to give which movie a a positive review, or at least they can assume a little bit. So earlier this year, in February, there was the movie Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Scott, I need you to be the Ant-Man. And its Rotten Tomato score debuted at 79% based on its first batch of reviews. For that movie? For that movie, which was kind of, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> impressive and so people thought LOL. wow this is this is yeah. you know, this is better than i expected this i better buy be good better buy my tickets yeah a few days later uh, you know when more critics weighed in that rating sank into the 40s but it's like the trick seems Where to it have worked be. yeah exactly it's because now it's it's i believe it's 45 could be 47 somewhere in that in that range but the trick seems to maybe have worked because uh quantumania had the best opening weekend of any ant-man movie ever it opens at 106 million dollars 
Then, in its wow. second weekend, maybe people have seen the new Rotten Tomato score, the movie's grosses slide almost 70%, which is the steepest drop-off for any Marvel movie ever. Wow. Wow. So these numbers matter, and everyone knows it. Yep. So is there an entire cottage industry of companies that do all this stuff? There are the companies that solicit reviews. There are the companies that sell reviews. There are the marketing studios for every filmmaker who know that you got to play the Rotten Tomatoes game. Is the right question to ask how big is this cottage industry or is the better question to ask does everyone do this to a certain extent at this point? You know, they might not be paying for reviews, but they're doing something to game Rotten Tomatoes. Sure. Bunker 15 is a little on the margins, but I would say basically almost everybody to some extent is is sort of gaming the system. It, really, it's, it's a large part of the movie publicity industrial complex that revolves around Rotten Tomatoes. I spoke with lots of people about the story, and I was really kind of surprised at the extent to which pretty much everybody in all kinds of different jobs across the industry worries about their Rotten Tomato scores, and they'll basically do anything they can to boost them as high as possible. It, it was funny. I asked you know a bunch of people, if your movie could either have the biggest rave that uh, Manola Dargis from The New York Times has ever given, or 100%, which would you rather have? And every single person told me, oh, I'd take the 100. No, you know, no question. Really? Yeah. All right, time for a break. When we come back, what is Rotten Tomatoes actually saying about all of this? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So it seems as if everyone kind of knows right now how this Rotten Tomatoes machine works, and it is a system that people game. Was it always like that? Was Rotten Tomatoes like this at the start? Did it ever function differently or, dare I say, more ethically? It, Rotten Tomatoes has never been perfect. It's like the, the busted math and the, the flattening effect has always been there since the very earliest days, all the way back in 1998 when the site was founded. But lately, it seems to have gotten worse. Hmm. Why? Why getting worse now? Well, it's, it's a couple of reasons. The, the site now indexes something like 3,500 different critics, which is a lot. I didn't even realize that there were 3,500 critics writing regularly uh, You know, before I started. Let me tell you a days. secret. They're not all really critics. <laughs> <laughs> true enough. True enough. <laughs> yeah. When you have that many people and studios can kind of work the crowd a little bit and pick and choose and handpick the critics that they want to see movies first, it's like 
there are more opportunities to game the system than there once were. And so I have found that over time, the site has been less useful for me because it seems pretty erratic. I see scores change all the time, either from high to low or low to high, or I'll find that the movies with the highest scores are kind of, in some cases, the most boring. What has Rotten Tomatoes said about all of this? I'm guessing you reached out. Rotten Tomatoes as a website still exists. They haven't packed it all up. What are they saying? Especially now in the week that your story is out. So I did reach out to Rotten Tomatoes. And after I did, like I said, they delisted a bunch of Bunker 15 movies from their site. And so that was kind of one interesting thing. But they gave me a statement. They said, we take the integrity of our scores seriously and do not tolerate any attempts to manipulate them. We have a dedicated team who monitors our platforms regularly and thoroughly investigates and resolves any suspicious activity. And so that's what they said. (laughs) Do you buy that? I am sure that they're busting some suspicious activity, but the fact that a company like Bunker 15 was able to do what it did for five years makes me think that they could be a little bit more thorough. Totally. How much does this matter? You know, a lot of movies with shitty Rotten Tomato scores do great at the box office. (laughs) A lot of movies with great Rotten Tomato scores do horribly at the box office. I'm freaking out about this, but like, should I freak out about this? As I reported the story, a lot of people asked me, who cares? And I would say to that, well, (laughs) you know, I care. I believe criticism is important. And I think the movie culture is better when criticism is in a healthy place. You know, uh, this this gaming of the system, it sort of reflects badly on everybody and it hurts all of our credibility. I think Rotten Tomatoes has diminished criticism and I think it really does hurt it. And so I I think it does matter. I, I say in my piece, once upon a time, Siskel and Ebert could take a little movie like Hoop Dreams that nobody had heard of, and they made it into a phenomenon by giving it, I believe, two thumbs way up. It's better when critics are able to do that, when they're not just one of 3,500 critics indexed by Rotten Tomatoes. It's like they, exactly. they sort of, the, the good critics lose the power and ability to do stuff like that. And so that, I think, is a real problem. We need critics more than ever to help us sort the good stuff from the bad stuff. I think it does matter in that sense. In another sense, kind of the irony to the, all of this, though, is that it may not matter at all at the box office which is sort of funny. Plenty of movies with perfectly respectable Rotten Tomato scores have flopped in 2023. The latest Mission Impossible movie had a great Rotten Tomato score, I believe it was in the 90s, and underperformed relative to the expectations. And so... uh, It did worse than that child trafficking QAnon movie. Why are you doing it? God's children are not for sale. It did, which is really something. Yeah, so that's wild. that's kind of incredible. Yeah. It is wild. And then, you know, it's something like the Super Mario Brothers movie can make, I think, like almost a, a billion dollars with a, something like a 50%. A billion dollars. Come on, Mario! Our big adventure begins now! Ah, get it out, get it out, get it out! Yeah. yeah with a rotten Rotten Tomato score in the 50s. And so for certain movies, it seems they're tomato-proof. <laughs> so there are probably people listening, like me, who say, this feels off. How do I fight this? Or at least how do I become a better consumer of reviews and movie scores? Like, where do I go if not to Rotten Tomatoes to <laughs> find trustworthy reviews? Also knowing that people are busy and no one has time and they can't sit there and like read 12 reviews before they go see a movie. What advice do you have for those listeners right now? 
I would tell them, pick a couple of critics, a handful of critics that you like and can identify with and read Angelica Jade Bastion. Angelica Jade Bastion. She's legend. Fantastic. An absolute legend. She's great. Uh, Bilga, Bilga. Legend. Every vulture critic. Every vulture critic. Alison Wilmore. Like, uh, what a genius. Awesome. Yes. Uh, So our our three. All of them. Three vulture. Yes. And amazing. Yeah. Pick a couple of critics you like, follow their work and listen to them. Another thing you can do is just watch things that seem interesting. Take a few chances. Like, watch stuff that... Uh, <laughs> Novel yeah, idea. Yeah. Take a chance uh, and just watch the movie. Exactly. Some <laughs> of so my favorite movies are ones that everybody else hates. Yeah. So basically what you're telling me <laughs> is two things. Only trust vulture critics. Yes. And two, when in doubt, just go see the damn movie. Exactly. What's the worst that could happen? Okay. What's <laughs> Well, listen... Yeah, I, 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 I take that back. Have you seen I've Ant-Man seen, and the Wasp? I, yeah, <laughs> Have you seen I Ant-Man did, actually. And that the is the Wasp. worst that can happen. <laughs> Thanks again to Lane Brown of New York Magazine. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, Jelani Carter, and Taka Zen. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. And the executive producer of audio at Vox Media is Nishat Kurwa. Listeners, we are back on Friday with a brand new episode. Until then... If you're thinking about getting some reviews for a movie you want to go see, don't check out those aggregators. How about this? Go read a movie review from a real movie critic. I do it all the time. I like it. I suggest you try it too. It's fun. Okay, bye. Why do you run? Why does anyone I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, (laughs) but they choose to do it. In the new docuseries, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.